Welcome to HealthCom Central, where we unpack theories and frameworks that can help you create more effective communication to improve both health outcomes and health equity. I'm your host, Karen Hilliard, behavioral scientist and longtime communication practitioner. If you're looking for fresh approaches that get real results, you are in the right place. So let's get started. Hello, HealthCom nerds and HealthCom novices, and welcome to this first episode of HealthCom Central for 2023. I hope that you all had a wonderful holiday season. I know that I needed the break to recharge and regroup, and I appreciate your patience while I got my next episode online, and I also appreciate you coming back to join us after a few weeks off. So today is the third episode in this series on social determinants of health, and today we're going to be talking about root cause analysis. And I've got three frameworks for you that will really help you with this issue. But first, we're going to talk about why it matters. Root cause analysis matters because how do we know that social determinants of health is actually the cause of whatever health disparity or health issue we're dealing with? How do we know what policy systems and environmental change needs to be made if indeed one needs to be made? The way we get the answers to both of those questions, whether social determinants of health is the cause and whether policy systems and environmental changes need to be made is through something called root cause analysis. Now, importantly, you should know that root cause analysis comes from other fields. It's not from public health. It's not from communication. It's not even from related fields like sociology or psychology. It actually comes from engineering and from the business arena. Now, I am not trained in Six Sigma, but it is part of that philosophy for management and process improvement and problem solving. So if you're familiar with that, you may be familiar with root cause analysis. It also has its roots in quantitative and statistical analysis of problems or challenges, but it can also be adapted to a very user-friendly qualitative approach. You don't need any quantitative background to do this. Like almost anything we do, though, it can be strengthened if you apply both quantitative and qualitative data gathering and analysis to whatever problem you're addressing, but you can still get started in a fully qualitative way. And that can be especially important if the data that you're collecting is lived experience from real people and not statisticians. One more bonus that I want to alert you to is that once you start using root cause analysis to unpack issues in public health, I guarantee that you will also find it useful in other parts of your life as well whether it's why your partner or roommate doesn't take out the trash or how to get better at a hobby or whatever. Root cause analysis is a technique that can also be part of a systems thinking approach. And as regular listeners know from earlier episodes of this podcast, I consider several frameworks to be really essential to the health communication work that I do and what I teach at HealthCom Central. Social determinants of health is one of those, but systems thinking is another one, along with social marketing, behavioral economics, and design thinking. Interestingly, they all kind of overlap with each other. 
And root cause analysis can be part of all of them in some way. I probably need to spend some time working on creating a giant Venn diagram that could tell you just how useful and interrelated those frameworks that I mentioned are, but I'm going to have to add that to my to-do list for 2023. Anyway, let's get back to root cause analysis. It is literally about getting to the root of the problem so that you can design solutions that address root causes. We all know that when the roots of a situation are not addressed, even if those roots are hidden and out of view, it affects everything else. And improvements that don't get to the root cause are going to be short-term and probably unsustainable. Plus, when you get to the root, it gives you the greatest leverage to solve the problem. If any of you do gardening and have ever pulled weeds, think about how much more effective your efforts are when you get the shovel underneath the roots. Literally, you get the leverage that you don't have when you're just working above the surface. Getting to the root really matters. So let's talk about three frameworks that are widely used and that you can put into practice right away on your own root cause analysis work. And incidentally, if you're on my email list, I'll be sending out a worksheet on this soon. So be sure to go to HealthCom Central and sign up to get on my list so you can be sure to get that worksheet when it goes out. So the first framework is called the groundwater approach. And the groundwater approach is basically that You know, if you have a lake in front of your house and you see a fish floating on it, belly up, dead, it might make sense to analyze the fish. There could be something wrong just with that fish, right? But if you come out to that same lake and you see that half of the fish in the lake are floating belly up, dead, what should you do? Well, one approach would be to analyze the lake and figure out what is going on here that's affecting more than one fish. Now, picture a house that has five lakes around it. And in each and every one of those lakes, half of the fish are floating belly up dead. What do you do now? Well, in that case, you got to analyze the groundwater. Because clearly there's something in the water that's affecting everyone. When there's a groundwater problem, you need a groundwater solution. In other words, when you've got a systemic problem at the root of things, you're going to need a root cause solution that addresses it. So let's say that you have taken that groundwater approach and figured out that you've got a systemic problem. How do you figure out what the true root causes are? Well, a second great tool for you for doing this kind of root cause analysis is called an Ichikawa diagram. Although some people refer to it as a fishbone diagram because when you draw it out on paper, it ends up looking a little like a fish skeleton. I'll link to some examples in the episode notes. And the fishbone diagram, when you draw it out, is going to give you place for six key categories of things that influence or impact most problems. And the mnemonic device that people often use to remember the categories for the fishbone diagram is something called the six M's. And those M's stand for man or people, machine, methods, 
materials, measurement, and mother nature or the environment. So let me repeat those again. The six M's are man, machine, methods, materials, measurement, and mother nature. Okay, so we've got a couple of gender bias terms in there. Please change them if you're actually using the the diagram in real life, but the six M's can at least help you remember what needs to go there. When you put it into practice, you may find also that maybe those aren't exactly the right categories for your issue. So, you know, perhaps you want to include something to examine policies or processes rather than materials and methods. You decide what categories are most important, but you'll get get the idea here that we're covering all the kinds of things that can affect a problem. So let's say that the problem you're examining is that you've had a big increase in traffic accidents across a community. And you can see that it's happening in a lot of places. It's not just one intersection or one part of town. So you know that it's in the groundwater or somehow systemic, and you want to figure out what the root causes are. So you could draw your fishbone diagram, and maybe your categories might look something like this. So maybe, you know, for man, um, you're thinking about the people, and so you're thinking, oh, okay, what could be causing these accidents to happen that have to do with people. So maybe it's age, maybe it's the experience level of the drivers, maybe it's people that are new to town, maybe it's the cognitive ability of drivers. Again, you would look at another category and try to name things that might be part of it. So if we were talking about machines, maybe you would say, hmm, wonder if there's a problem with people's brakes. Wonder if there's a problem with people not having good visibility out of their windows. Uh, You could look at methods. So maybe you want to say, how are people driving? Are they speeding? Are they texting while driving? Are they being reckless? Are they making poor decisions? Are they not following policies or rules? Materials could be about road conditions or signage or lights. Measurement could be looking at maybe rates of accidents versus absolute numbers. Is the population going up? Is that why you have more accidents? Or is the rate of accidents actually going up? You could look at time periods, the types of accidents that are happening, and so on. And the final category, mother nature, or the environment, a less gender biased term, you might be looking at things like, is there a common thread in terms of weather, or deer running across the road or debris in the road, or maybe it's the time change that is affecting things. So again, something in the environment. Once you've got your list, you can explore each of these things and do it with the third framework that I want to tell you about, which is really the simplest yet and also pretty powerful. It is called the five whys. And the fishbone diagram gives you a framework to ask the five whys about each of its categories of things. But first, of course, you need to define the problem. So I'm going to use another example here on how to ask these five whys. So let's say that you're working on the issue of physical activity and increasing walkability. And the problem is that people are not getting enough physical activity, and you've noticed that Even when the weather is nice, you don't see many people walking in a particular community. 
Now, of course, a surface level solution to why aren't people walking in this community might be a campaign to make walking seem fun or more enjoyable or healthy. But we don't know if that really gets to the root of the problem. And you won't know what the root is until you start asking the five whys. So now you could say, why is that happening? That's your first why. Why is it happening? Why are people not walking? And maybe your answer is, well, there are no sidewalks. Now you ask again, why is that? That's your second why. The answer, developers didn't build them. Third why, why is that? Well, it was a way to cut corners on costs. Fourth why, why is that? Because there was no direct financial incentive or disincentive for the developers. And the fifth why, why is that? Maybe it's lack of involvement by the planning department or perhaps lack of competition by other neighborhoods. So you see what I mean? By asking why is that, after each answer, you get deeper and deeper to the root of the problem. Now, of course, your five whys on this issue could have gone a totally different direction. What if the answer to the first why is that happening had been residents say it doesn't feel safe to walk? And maybe that would have led to something related to personal safety or crime or traffic safety. In each case, the root cause would be just a little bit different. What if the answer had been, residents say there is no place to walk to? Now you'd be leading to a root cause that has to do with planning and development and the need for everyday destinations or linking sidewalks and paths. The way to use the five whys is to keep asking why. And five is the suggested number here, but you can ask why is that as many times or as few times as you need to until you feel you're at an end point. As I said, walking or traffic accidents, these are very relatable issues, and you are probably easily able to put yourself in the setting, especially with the walking question, to brainstorm those five whys. But on many issues, the answers are not nearly as obvious. And continuing to ask, why is that, may point you towards some root causes and root solutions that were hard to see before you really drilled down. Getting those answers will almost always require research. And a key part of that research should be talking to the people who are most affected. But you can also gather data from many different sources. Finding the answers that point you to root causes is always going to lead to better interventions and better outcomes. And quite often in public health, we find that it leads back to social determinants of health and policy systems and environmental changes that can reduce the negative impacts of those social determinants. Now, one thing that some people may say as you hear me go through these examples is, well, yeah, but a lot of times it's all of those root causes. It's that people aren't walking because there are no sidewalks, there are no places to walk to, there's both crime and traffic safety, et cetera. If you'd already drawn your fishbone diagram, though, you'd have a lot of these possibilities on it. And in each case, you'd be able to ask the questions, explore the answers and hopefully prioritize the place where you can get the most leverage from addressing a root cause. 
So now you have three problem finding, problem solving frameworks, because they're going to help you find both the cause and the solutions. The groundwater approach, the fishbone diagram, also called the Ishikawa diagram, and the five whys. Any of these three approaches can be a valuable way to focus your efforts on the place where you're going to get the most leverage. And of course, in an era of limited resources and fairly complex problems, those kinds of root cause solutions are exactly what we need. That is all I have for you today. I appreciate you so much for pressing play and being part of HealthCom Central. Please remember to go and get on my mailing list so you can get the worksheet that follows up this episode. And of course, if you have a moment, please rate and review the podcast so that other people can find it too. I will be back next week with the final installment on this series on social determinants of health. We're going to be talking about systemic racism and ways to address it, even though it's a daunting problem that goes well beyond what we do in public health. I hope you'll tune in for that. And until then, stay well, stay safe, and stay science-based. Bye for now. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment now to leave a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe to HealthCom Central on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have friends and colleagues who should be part of our community, please share the link.